Um, welcome, my name is Vince, I'm one of the other pastors here, delighted to be with y'all. We're starting a new series today in Advent. Uh, if you're not familiar with Advent, it's, it literally just means the coming of or the arrival of. In this season, we say the Advent of Jesus is what the church celebrates. And so we start a new series kind of every Advent, usually four weeks, trying to unpack something about the Christmas story that draws us in, right, that can shape us as a people and the whole deal. And so every year, Anthony, we start kind of plugging through, hey, what are we going to talk about this year? What's this going to look like? How do you take a story that most people in the church have heard, right, like a hundred times, um, and, and kind of still make it some, hey, what's going to shape us? What's new? Um, and we kept noticing this throughout the entire year, that there was this movement towards rejoicing and joy that Anthony and I kind of kept feeling was somewhat amiss amongst the people of God. Right, that there was, there was something about what we were seeing throughout all, we preached through Exodus, we did different books of the Bible this year, and constantly this draw and this push by the scriptures and by the presence of God that we would be a joyful people. Anthony, even a couple weeks ago, was talking about how we are to be a peculiar people to the world, right? That the world would kind of look at us and say, like, that's weird, but in a good way, right? Like, I don't really get that, but that's strange. And so one of these things that we begin to realize is, is joy gets to play such a significant role in that. And so, you know, what would it look like for a church, for a people to be truly joyful? And so you come to the Advent season, and every, if you go to Target, right, there's gonna be big banners that say, like, joy and hope and peace. And they just kind of say it without really any context of where it's coming from and what that really means. And so what does it mean for us to step into how do we get better at joy? And, and what is joy? How can it work itself out? How will it form us as a people? All that kind of stuff. Now, it feels like often, especially during the holidays, life gets crazy. Many of you just had Thanksgiving dinners with a whole bunch of people around a table with a whole bunch of wildly differing political opinions. And so there are a lot of fun conversations, right? Uh, life can get crazy towards the end of the year. You start thinking back, okay, what happened in 2019? What am I looking at next year? And there's some things that are good, some things that are bad. And sometimes it feels like this vision. I actually, it's interesting because at the nine, I shared this story as if it was a book that my mother-in-law, who was just visiting, shared with me. And I stepped off of this. I told this whole story. Oh, my mother-in-law shared this thing. And, da, da, da. and then I walk off to the side of stage and Verity said, that was a commercial, you moron. And so it's actually just something I saw on TV for 30 seconds. And so uh, that shaped our whole series. And so here's the idea. Uh, in this commercial, apparently, it's this family, and uh, they're living inside a snow globe. Okay? They don't realize it until eventually they do realize it. And everything about that commercial really started getting me thinking about the reality of the world that we live in. Right? That oftentimes it just kind of feels like that. Like if we're honest, like it kind of feels like the world's watching. Right? And I'm not saying the church, like us as individuals, like wherever you go, you, you got to you know, put on nice clothes or you got to put on a certain face in different contexts. You change that face in different contexts because you feel like the world's watching, like always trying to figure out what are you doing with your life? Are you adding up to what you should be adding up to, et cetera, et cetera. And then sometimes that globe gets shaken up, right? And it just feels like everything is disorienting. Like that, that, that everything's upside down. Life isn't working the way it's supposed to. Things are happening that shouldn't be happening, and you're trying to find the right way up. And I think all of that kind of comes into, and hear me, I think it is a thief of joy. I, I think what it does is it, it tricks us into thinking things about joy that aren't accurate, uh, and then it robs us of this gift that I think God 
has given to his people. So I wanna, I wanna share some verses. Um, there's a good handful of them, so track with me. I think we'll have them up on the screen so you don't gotta flip through quite yet. So let's read these. This is just a, a small swath. Like if you do a word study on joy, you're gonna get hundreds of verses. I've chosen like 10 for us, so let's look at these. John 16, says this. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. <clears throat> and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. So this is towards the end of Jesus' life. He's like, hey, I'm about to die. There will be sorrow, but I'm coming back. And when I come back, hear me, your, sor- your joy will never be taken away. Like it's always gonna be present. It's a gift that I've given to you for you to hold on to, and no one can take it. Okay, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, this the outworking of the presence of the Spirit of God in the lives of the Christian is joy. Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's something about being in the presence of God where you don't get like this, this little dabble or sprinkle of joy. It's like, ah, life is a little bit better. He's saying, no, the fullness of joy, all the joy that God can offer is found in being present with him. For Thessalonians 2.20 says, for you are our glory and our joy, that the church in the midst of being able to commune and be with the people of God, that there is to be joy as we experience literally being together and the one another's. Psalm 118.24, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad that God is behind every day. He's the sovereign author of every day. So let us rejoice in the midst of it. John 15, 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Again, not just a little bit of death, but there'll be a fullness of joy as we, uh, John 15, abide in God, as we live with God, commune with God, are present with God, do what God says, and then Proverbs 10, 28, the hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish, that there's this hope in the midst of this, that it's always present, always there for those who are God's people. So some of you say, but my life is really hard, and I say, yes, that's absolutely true for so many of us in the room, that there's just real pain, real hurt, real trial. James 1, 2 through 4 says this, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect and be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Understanding the context of what James is writing as he looks upon the landscape of his life in the Roman Empire, that he's literally seeing friends killed, right? He's seeing friends murdered and persecuted, that he's losing things left and right. He's in poverty. All of these things are terrible. The circumstances surrounding his life are awful, yet he proclaims joy to the church. Rejoice in all things, church. So hear me, this is not a, please don't hear me, this is not a minimizing of the reality that there is true and real pain and difficulty in this life and in a broken world. It's saying that I think there's something underneath all that that God's gifted the people of God. You know what I'm saying? It's not that that stuff's not there. Hear me, it's there. It's present and it's real. But underneath it, I think God's saying, there's something else that I've given the church, that I've given my people to say, in the midst of all of this, there can be something called joy. So some of the things I've heard, even in the midst of all of that is, yeah, but that's easy for you because you're you. Now, um, if you don't know me, 
I'm positive to a fault, right? Like, I'm always happy. It's annoying to most of my friends, okay? Like, like hey, just be a little more angry today is kind of the idea. Uh, if you're Enneagram, if you, anyone Enneagram? You guys do that stuff? I'm a seven, okay? Um, to, to put that in perspective, uh, if you look at Verity was sharing with this, my wife, Verity was sharing these memes where what you do when you find out what your Enneagram type is. And so when it, they said, if you find out you're a seven, you say to yourself, man, I always get the best one of these, right? Which is literally what I thought. Like, I thought I won the Enneagram, like I'm the best. And so um, this is the process of my life. And so some of you I've heard, literally from friends, like, yeah, I hear what you're saying about joy, but that's just because you're you. Like, you just are always positive and happy about stuff. Um, even when it doesn't work out and you're at fault. Right? You're just, like, still great. That's true, too. Like, hear me, our, our personalities do play a role in this as well, okay? Like, there's certain things that God has done in your life. There's certain things that he's shaped you as the person that you are that will look at life and the world and circumstances differently than another. It's just absolutely true. But I want to say, in the midst of all that, that the Bible, at least from the scriptures and from the mouth of Jesus, seems to be pointing the church and the people of God to joy is still to be found for us. It is a gift still to be received and lavished upon his people even in the midst of who we are and what happens around us. And so if that's true, hear me, so that's, just the, that's almost just a presupposition of how we start this series, that we believe that God wants his people to experience joy and to rejoice. And so if that's true, how, how do we navigate that in a world that is complex, difficult, and feels like a, a snow globe at times? So um, before we jump into the text, just a little bit of background on what's going on. In the moment right now, you have an emperor named Caesar Augustus who is ruling. A little understanding about the Caesar, Caesar, Savior Augustus is a way you could say this. The Caesar, the Caesar was seen as a Savior of the people, and so a Savior would come, an advent of a Savior would come every time a new Caesar would be installed, okay? Is that me? What's going on here? Two steps left. This is worse. <laughs> Fixed it. Okay, um... And so every time a new Caesar would be installed, there, there, would be, there would be this, oh, the Savior has arrived. Every year on the Caesar's birthday, they treat it, they literally would label it the euangelion, which in Greek means the gospel, the good news. So every time there was a birthday, all of the people in the Roman Empire had to celebrate the birth of Caesar by saying the gospel is here. The good news has arrived, that there was a savior named Caesar that was to save the empire, bring peace to Rome, the Pax Romana. And so I bring all that because in the midst of all of this, Jesus shows up, right, and turns everything on its head. The advent of Christ takes the current structure and idols of the world and flips them upside down. And here's why that's important for us, because as Jesus advents or arrives in us, in our hearts and continues to kind of take bits and more and more of us, more and more the idols of our lives will be confronted, okay? More, more and more the things of life that are not of him, right? The things that war against him will be taken over by God. And that is what is so beautiful about Advent. So the way we're gonna look at that over the next four weeks, today and three more after this, is through studying Mary's Magnificat. 
If you're not familiar with this, this is essentially where Mary breaks out in a musical song, okay, in the midst of an interaction with her relative Elizabeth, and they sing and they praise God in the middle of the streets because of the work of God. And so we start this series with Luke 1, chapter, or chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. You might be familiar with this story, but go ahead and read along with us as we go. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man who was na- whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and over his kingdom will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And in the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Okay, for me, it's not that annoying. Is it a, it, how is the static for y'all? Y'all doing okay? It's not that bad? Okay, we're going to keep rolling through it then. So here's the story, okay? And I want you guys to put yourselves in the room, if you could, for a moment, right? So you're sitting there, and you get to choose one friend. Like you and a friend sitting in a random room, and out of nowhere, this giant burst of light comes into the room and the light kind of dims away just enough where you make out a figure and it's an angel, okay? So, so I don't know, maybe some of you have had this experience, probably not, but if you had, then just recollect that moment. For the rest of us, put yourself in that space and you're just sitting talking to a friend and an angel arrives. Now don't picture naked baby with a, chair, with a, with a harp, to, that's not a harp, a harp, and uh, <laughs> you know those harps, um, with a harp, right, just playing away. Don't, don't picture that because that's not what an angel is. Like literally every moment you see an angel arrive on a scene somewhere in the Bible, there is fear, trembling, and troubled hearts, okay? Like there is this like, ah, right? Like there's this real, what is this and what's going on? And so in this scene, he comes in, this angel goes up to this virgin woman. Now, I, I'm not, this is not a raise your hands moment, but if there's any virgins in the room, right, imagine someone, an angel showed up to you, right, is, Andy, what? So, if, so I don't, I'm just saying, I don't know y'all. And so if any of y'all exist out there, here's the story. You're sitting around and all of a sudden an angel comes and tells you, hey, you're going to have God in your belly. Without, right? So just, that's the story. Like that's how, if you just get down to brass tacks, an angel shows up and tells a virgin young girl in her belly will be the savior of the world, okay? Now, we live in 2019 where you look back on that story, like, well, this all works out pretty well, right? Like, we, we get Jesus, and he lives this perfect life and, and dies to death on the cross, but he's resurrected, so there's new life, and we get all this great teaching, and Christianity's here now, and it's all great. If you're a, and she would have been young, like 15 years old, you're a 15-year-old girl, and an angel shows up and tells you, listen up, virgin woman, betrothed to a man you're not yet married to, you're about to give birth to God, okay? The response is not like rejoicing. Like, the response is not, this is the best thing that's ever happened. 
or hear me, it shouldn't be that. Like it should be fear. Because what are people gonna think? Like the whispers would start around then. Because she wasn't married to Joseph. It would be fear because, well, how is she going to all of a sudden like take care of herself in that reality? What were people going to say? What was her security? What was life going to look like now when out of nowhere a 15-year-old girl was giving birth to God? So, so this is the context then that we enter into this moment with Elizabeth. Well, listen, if you look at the circumstance of her life in that moment, it's an absolute shambles from what her expectation was. Her expectation was, I'm going to get ready, I'm going to marry this guy. When we're ready, we'll have kids, that type of thing, right? We'll enjoy life, he'll, he'll work, I'm going to take care of the home. Like they had this all planned out and then in a moment, the globe is shook up and nothing seems to be right. And it's that backdrop that we get this story. So verse 39 in Luke chapter 1. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. For behold, uh, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Okay, so this interaction, she comes in and Elizabeth and Mary, they begin to have this interaction. And in a moment, the baby that's inside Elizabeth's womb, who would go on to be John the Baptist, right? If you're familiar with your Bible characters. And so John the Baptist literally leaps in in Elizabeth's womb in celebration. And then you get this exclamation from Elizabeth. And how blessed am I that I would be able to be with one who is carrying my Lord, This is very interesting here, right? Because Jesus is still like a tiny baby forming in Mary's womb. And even in that moment, what for some reason all of the the people in the know for 33 years couldn't figure out about Jesus, Elizabeth knew in the womb and that was that Jesus was God in the flesh. That Jesus was Lord and he had come to be Savior. That the euangelion, the gospel had arrived. That the good news was to be proclaimed and it was all inside the womb of this woman Mary, her relative. Okay. And so it's from this moment that then Mary breaks out again in this kind of musical song called the Magnificat and it says this in verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Now, again, if we could just step back We don't know Mary's personality type, but we do know her circumstance, and it wasn't great. Everything was a mess, and the last thing that it would seem to make sense to do would be to go see a friend and relative, and in the middle of the streets begin singing the praises of God. It would seem more like that would be time for a lament, 
Or maybe just like, let's go and pray a bit and figure out what God's trying to do here. But rather what you see is Mary, in response to this crazy movement of God, she runs into the streets, sees her relative, and begins to sing and exclaim the goodness and glory of God. She begins to rejoice. And this, again, like the, the profound nature of the reality of in the midst of the chaos and craziness of life, is joy still accessible to us? Like, is there still this opportunity to continue to receive what God has gifted his people? Now, there's a couple other benefits, I think, to this reality of joy before we step into how she exclaims this here in our first sermon. But the first one is, right, there's this reality of God gifts us this joy for us having joy, right? Because he's just a good father who gives joy to his people. As you would give good gifts to your kids, hopefully, right? Um, You would receive good gifts from God as well. Joy being this great gift given to his people. This is is not for God in that sense, right? Like when we are more joyed in him, there's more glory given to God. That's absolutely true. Um, But God gives us this gift. Now, there's a second piece to that, though, that when this joy is given, that again, it would just seem kind of peculiar to the rest of the world. That again, if you're, the, if you're watching Mary in this moment, if you knew part of her story and you see her run out and start to sing the praises of God in midst of the craziness and trial of life, you would begin to wonder, what's that about? Joy then not just serves as a gift to us as something for our goodness, but also as an apologetic to a watching world. Because it just doesn't make a ton of sense. That in the midst of all the chaos that exists in 2019, in our whole world, that somehow that in the midst of that, there would be people that would rise up out of that singing. It doesn't make sense outside the kingdom of God. And the idea would be, not just again that it be received as a gift, but it be a picture of the kingdom of God to the watching world of God providing something that is offered nowhere else. And the last part is that God in the midst of experiencing this joy forms his people. He shapes us by joy. He shapes us by singing that we might be more like Christ who considered it joy to suffer. That Paul saying, I want to emulate Jesus said I consider it joy to suffer with Christ. And so again, if we could just step back in this season and, and maybe looking back on it, or maybe just even taking right, accounts of where we're at right now and say, man, I, I feel like, because here's the thing, a lot of times if, you, if I talk to people and I say, but man, there's joy for you, right? And you say that in the midst of a trial, it's met with animosity and frustration. And hear me, I understand potentially why, but even in the midst of them, what we're trying to say is, hey, underneath it all, God is offering something that is bigger and transcendent beyond our situations, okay? So um, here's what she does. She, gives, uh, she says this first thing, my soul magnifies the Lord, which is where we get magnificent. It magnifies, it makes something that looks small much bigger, right? She's magnifying the Lord in the midst of this. Um, and then she gives these four things in this text uh, that I'm gonna read one more time and then we'll break down those four. So again, that part of the song that she just sang, starting in verse 46. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. 
For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. What is the first thing that she begins to proclaim? One, that God is mighty. Okay? That God is mighty and strong. The NASB, I love the language there. It says that he is capable. He's the capable one. He's the one that can do all things. So here's the good news in the midst of this. Here's why we can rejoice. Because in the midst of the difficulty of the world, it's not about how strong you are. Right? It, it's not about how great you are. It's not about how gifted you are. It's not about how strong you are. It's not about how much you know. It's about all that he is, not that we are. Like That's just such a gift to us that in the midst of all this, it's not, okay, well, you need to work harder and you need to be better. It's, no, God is good. God is mighty. God is able to win and have victory, not because you are. It's freeing and lets us go saying, there's an expectation then on how I need to be. It's no, God is that already. He wins for us. The second thing she says is that God has done great things. So, so God has, again, it's not so much that Mary in the midst of this will white knuckle her way through a difficult situation, Right? It's not that, okay, there's craziness in her world now. She's going to do really good things to be able to get to the other end to be successful. She's not proclaiming her own goodness. She's focused on God. It's not that she does good things. It's that God does good things so she can rejoice because it's about him. It's, so the, this constant move you see in Mary's song and in Mary's life is this movement of, I'm gonna take eyes off of, off of me and constantly direct them upward that there might be joy received. Because again, it's not about me working really hard to fix myself or fix my situation. It's falling deeper in love with the one who can and has. Okay. The next one is, that God is holy. It says his name is holy. So here, here let me paint it this way. So if, if you have someone who is all powerful, right? Like um, he's the mighty one, he's strong, he can do things you can't do, all stuff. and then he also like interacts, right? So he's, he's involved and does things. Now if he is not holy, he is imperfect, he is broken, he is, insert your thing, that is a terrifying combination. One who is all-powerful, who's interested in moving and acting in your life, but is doing it for terrible reasons. Who is not perfect, not holy, not set apart, not kind, not loving. So in the midst of this song, see what Mary's rejoicing in is not just that God is powerful. It's not just that God interacts in her life and does stuff. It's that he is holy. So what he does is perfect. What he does is set apart, altogether great, good, holy, perfect, right? You see what I'm saying? So that combo for her becomes this movement where, yes, I can turn away from self, look upward, because this is who God is. So let me go run out in the streets and sing a song. Again, in the midst of, like, so how, how, let's triage for a moment. Is, is, that, is that like the norm for us? 
Is that, is that the norm for the people of God? And, and hear me, this isn't, again, like, this isn't, hey, whenever there's a, just a terrible situation in life, run into the streets and sing. Please don't hear that. We grieve. When we do Lamentation Sunday, like, we, we believe in lamenting and sitting and weeping with each other. But there's also this beautiful gift that God's giving that in the midst of the turmoil, as we're processing through it, that God's like, hey, but, but I, I so long to be present with you, to give you joy that the scriptures are replete. Again, we gave you like 10 verses of, of hundreds on how God seems to gift this thing of joy to us that is altogether separate from a smile and a happy thought. And again, because God is mighty. He can do all things. He interacts with us and he is holy, perfect, so we know when he's moving, that he's moving for our good. And then the last thing she says is that God is merciful to those who fear him. Now this fear, I don't want to neuter the, the, what's really talking about here. It's, it's not just awe and reverence. It, it's, it, it is awe and reverence, but it's not just awe and reverence. There's a real like, this dude could wreck me, right? Like this, I, I could be gone like that. Like that's how powerful God is. It's, it's not, so it's awe and reverence, yes, but it's also a real legitimate like, you could end this really fast. Um, the best illustration I had for it, and I, I might have told this story before, I can't remember, um, but when I was a kid, I, I don't remember the exact age, but when I was a kid, uh, I did something that was like top of the naughty list, right? Like we were at the mall, I shoved my mom, okay? Um, and my dad just, just flipped a switch on me, right? And so he, he comes at me, grabs me by my shirt, pushes me up against the wall, not like running, but forceful enough where like there were things coming out of me, right? And so he grabs me, throws me up against against the wall and he says, Vincent, (laughs) I said, I didn't say anything. I think I was terrified. He says, Vincent, if you ever touch your mother like that again, I will kill you, right? So he's a great dad, like really good dad, promise. So, like, love him. He was just visiting. We get along great. But in that moment, hear me, there was both real fear, like, this dude could do it, okay? Like, he could end this situation real fast if I do that again. But there was also this, no, I understand what you're doing, and I want to walk in obedience to what you're saying. Right? There, there was this moment of like deep respect for him defending my mom at the same time. Like even to this day, I look back at that story very fondly. Like in the moment, probably terrified more than the other one. But as I grew into it, it's this, this understanding of God in his precepts and his glory deserves honor and awe and reverence. But he also deserves this kind of healthy fear of like, dude, this dude could end this situation. And so what I think Mary's doing is she's praising the reality the Savior's here. This, the Savior's here. We've been waiting for this moment forever. And he's finally come. He has, he has her, she has a relative exclaiming that the Lord is in your belly. She just heard from an angel. You're going to give birth to God. You've got to call him Jesus. I think she's realizing the weight and singing and exclaiming the story of God. God has come to save us. God has come to deliver and show us mercy to save us from our sins, to save us from our brokenness. And it's all coming through this tiny little baby that was growing in her womb. 
So undergirding all of this joy stuff, hear me, the biggest thing that we can tell you throughout this whole series is that our joy, hear me, is not contingent on you. It's contingent on him. He's the mighty one. He's the one doing great things. He's the holy one. He's the one that has saved. He's the one that gives mercy. He's the one that will be born in a manger, into poverty, the one who has come down into this world. He's the one that will live the perfect life you and I cannot live. He's the one that will suffer, suffer the punishment for the sins of the world on the cross. He's the one that's resurrected. He's the one that then grants us his spirit. He's the one that illuminates and saves and draws us to himself. He's the one, he's the one, he's the one. So the key right to joy is stop thinking of you. and Think on him. And then hear me, I'm not saying access happiness. It's not, it's not, again, hear me, this is not access more smiles, access being happy all the time. That's impossible and worthless. But I'm saying access this other thing that God seems to say is underneath all that. That seems to be possible where someone in the dire situation that Mary's in would cause her to run to a relative and in the midst of a watching world start singing and praising the craziest story that could ever happen to a person. Can you imagine what it would look like if honestly, if just randomly Christians just started breaking out in song on the streets because of the work of God? And not necessarily because things worked out but even when they didn't. Like, what, what if when we go into the world, it's not just that this is a joyous season because we get stuff, but rather because we get to give stuff. What if we stepped into being that peculiar people where it just doesn't make a ton of sense, but, oh man, I guess behind that must be a God who is all the stuff we just talked about. That joy is present for us, y'all. Like it's just, like I, just, I just want us to hear that over and over. Like joy is, it's here, it's, it's present, it's a gift. It's to be kind of just like sat in and, and like just marinated in the joy of the Lord because Christ has come. There's not a better season for us to focus on this. And so here's just the directest and most easy application that we can give for you this, this whole month. It's just want us to sing a lot, okay? And so... Obviously, we do it here on Sundays. We'll sing six songs, and we get to sing these songs and all that kind of stuff. I, I, for me, like, Christmas music is just, like, my favorite, right? Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good human being, so I wait till the day after Thanksgiving, okay, like a normal person. Um, but Christmas music, for me, is just the best. Like, I, I, I love Silent Night, Holy Night, O Come Emmanuel, all that stuff, because I grew up in the South where I kept hearing this stuff on the radio, but I didn't know Jesus, and so it, it didn't mean anything. Like the words meant nothing. They were just saw words and lyrics that I'd sing. But then all of a sudden, this stuff has become so profoundly beautiful. And so I know for some of you, you grew up in the church, you've been singing these your whole life. Can we just have this reinvigoration of celebration around the coming of Christ? And, and so when you're in your car, would you, would you turn up the music? Like, and, and just start singing. Roll down the windows, right, and point at, your, at the car next to you and just start chanting holy night. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, no, I'm so bad, right? Like, 
again, like it sounds so foolish, but that's who we are. We're rejoicing people. Part of things we'll look at next week too is how we just have to let go of some of this, this pomp that we need to like look cool to the world. Who cares if we sing? Like we're rejoicing because this is who God is and we have joy in the midst of craziness. And so that, that's our, our biggest application. So easy. Sing a lot this month, okay? Sing with each other. Sing while we're here. Sing when you're on the streets by yourself. Sing when you're in your car. Just sing a lot. And praise God for what he's done. And let's see how some of that forms us. Because what songs do is they remind us, and as we sing together, they help remind each other, this is who God is, right? God is the God who has come to save us, as we'll sing. God is the one who paid it all, as we'll sing. God is the one that is our vision, as we'll sing. And we sing it not just to worship him, but to tell each other, this is what I believe. Please always remind me that we might be a rejoicing people. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, I so just, I just want, I just want for us to just be elated by you. But, but I understand, Lord, that it starts with just like, I guess this for me, Lord, it starts with just kind of freeing myself to know that joy is not just available, but is like something I can have. That it's there. And, and, and it doesn't mean, God, it doesn't mean that I need to just always be happy, but that there's this driving force to praise and to love and to hope, and to celebration, and joy. And it's a gift from you, Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would, would you make that gift very tangible and practical for us? Would the people of God who sit here today, and who gather, honestly, around the world right now, Lord, God, would you just instill in us joy? And, and, and would it start with a right view of who you are, and what you've done, God, and, then, and a right view of who we are. And that, God, it's not about us. And God, we get access to this, this beautiful gift that is joy. God, we know we can't do it on our own. We aren't very good at achieving stuff on our own. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would um, you'd be so gracious and merciful to us. God, that we would be a joyous, joy-filled people that seem peculiar to the world, that it only makes sense in the kingdom of God God, shape us in that. Change the world through it. In Christ's name, amen.